Where'd Leslie go? Yeah, there you are. The children are dismissed. Krista, we do want to say thank you so much for everything you did. We're so honored. But aren't you glad that Leslie's back too? And we're thankful for her and for what she does with our children's ministry. So, so as the children slip out with Leslie, will you uh, grab your Bible and will you turn to the fifth, uh, 50th chapter of Genesis as we continue in our But God series, the 50th chapter of Genesis. <clears throat> you, you may hear me clear my throat several times this morning, and for that I apologize, but it is that time of year for me where drainage starts, and uh, I'm taking uh, antihistamines, and I'll probably do it for the next couple of months. It always hits me in February and March, so be patient with me, please. Uh, just for Laura's sake, though, I now have the deep, sexy voice going again, so it's really good. <laughs> All right, the 50th chapter. Let me, let me give you a little background. Uh, most of you will be familiar with this story. Uh, Joseph is who we're going to talk about this moment, jo jo this morning. Joseph had a but God moment. And to get to that but God moment, you have to kind of understand a little of the background of Joseph. He was born uh, to his mother and father, Jacob, and, and Jacob, whose other name is Israel, uh, had 10 boys. And Joseph is the last one, but he's the most favored one. Uh, Jacob loves Joseph and loves what Joseph stands for. And, and Joseph has dreams where he sees himself being in charge of people. And God is beginning to show Joseph what kind of man He's going to be, and his brothers get wind of those dreams, and they're not happy. They're very jealous of Joseph and his uh, relationship with their father, and so they plot against Joseph. And in the midst of pl plotting against Joseph, they're looking uh, to kill him. Uh, but in the midst of looking to kill him, a, a couple of his brothers struggle with the fact that they're going to kill him. But they throw him in a pit, and they're just going to leave him there. But then there's a group of men uh, traveling by, Ishmaelites, who uh, are open to buying Joseph as a slave. And so the brothers sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites as a slave, and he goes and becomes a slave. All these years later, the, the brothers uh, begin to realize what has happened, especially when a famine hits their land and they have to go beg. Now, Joseph, while he's been a slave, has been faithful to God the whole time. Everything has gone against him. Uh, things that uh, you and I would have said, no more, God, I give up, have gone against Joseph. But he remains faithful and true to God. Even within his own life, his sexual purity, everything remains faithful to God. And God begins to reward him and bring him up in the place that he was sold into slavery to where he becomes a friend of the king because he can interpret dreams and do everything. So all of a sudden, from being a slave to being a person in a position of power. But now this has taken years, years to accomplish in Joseph's life. And now his brothers are back into Joseph's kingdom begging for food. And Joseph recognizes his brothers, but his brothers don't recognize Joseph. 
And so he provides for them and he helps them. Fast forward, uh, and Joseph forgives his brothers. Uh, but 17 years later, Genesis 50 happens. Uh, this is 17 years after uh, his brothers have forgiven Joseph. Uh, uh, Joseph has forgiven his brothers and has told them that he holds no animosity against them and that he loves them like a brother loves a brother. And they are still struggling with the fact that Joseph really has forgiven them. And then you come to, jo uh, to Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. Listen, in, in fact, in this little passage, at, at the heading in my NIV Bible, it says, Joseph reassures his brothers. So Joseph is about to launch into a speech to reassure his brothers of his forgiveness. And this is what he says. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph still holds a grudge against us? and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him. So in their mind, just like our minds do, their mind is spinning, and they're thinking, well, now Dad's dead, and maybe Joseph just forgave us to keep face with Dad. Maybe he's always been really angry with us. Maybe he didn't really forgive us, and now that he's dead, now that Dad is dead, maybe he's going to come back and give us what we rightfully deserve. And look at this. It says, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask that you forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Now, these brothers did exactly what you and I have done all our lives. You know, they, they had their, their father is dead, but they still use dad kind of as a reason. You know, I, I, I remember growing up with my brother and sister. Although they're older than me, I remember when I would do something to my brother or my brother would do something to me, we would always invoke the dad card. You know, I know I did this to you, Jimmy. But if you come do anything to me, I'm telling dad, and he's going to beat you. You know, that, that's what we would always do. I mean, that's, that's what brothers do. And so these brothers get together, and they say, we know Joseph is probably mad at us. We know we deserve the punishment. And remember, he's forgiven them. 17 years ago, he's forgiven them, but they're still struggling with their own forgiveness. And so... They say, let's tell him that dad has left this message. And the message is, please forgive your brothers of their sins, even though he's already done that, and the wrongs that they committed against us. And so they go give this message to Joseph. The, the message is sent to Joseph in the words after that. Two shortest words in the Bible, Jesus, Jesus wept, Joseph wept. Same, uh, same emotion, and the emotion is almost exactly for the same reason. The, the reason being that Joseph is so saddened that his brothers don't believe him. 
that his brothers have not accepted the forgiveness that he has given them. And so Joseph is brokenhearted over this. After 17 years of him uh, doing everything within his power to display his forgiveness, his brothers are still carrying the baggage of all the things that they had done wrong to Joseph. And look at how he responds. In verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him and said, we are your slaves. So his brothers walked into Joseph's room, threw themselves down on the floor and said, we'll do whatever you ask. If we can just be assured of your forgiveness, we will become your slaves. But I love this. Look at 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. And what, what he's saying here to, to Joseph, this, this should not be confusing to you. What he is saying to them is, look, just as I forgave you, God has already forgiven you. You don't need my forgiveness in your heart and lives. What you really need is God's forgiveness. Quit seeking my approval and seek God's approval. And then he says in verse 19, But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. I am in the place of God. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Boy, th th these verses are chock full of things that we could spend uh, literally weeks and weeks on. We won't do that. But I, I do want to tell you as we launch into what I want to share with you today that this will be a holdover till next week too. Uh, this morning I'm, I'm sharing with you the sermon that goes by the title of Overcomes Evil with Good overcomes evil with good, but it will take me two Sundays to get through what I want to share with you. And this morning, I'll just share a couple of things that I think God can teach us all about how we can overcome evil in our lives with good, the goodness of God. So bear with me as, as we'll take a couple of Sundays to share this, but I, I want to point out a couple of things that uh, is really important for you to see. Uh, in, in verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever thought about the story of Joseph and all the wrong that happened to him and all the evil that happened to him? And yet God took that and he turned it for the saving of many lives. Many lives are saved. Now, the understanding here in Scripture is this is probably a physical saving uh, because Joseph provided food and the, and the kingdom that he uh, was a part of uh, provided uh, food and nourishment to many people who were starving. But that's not the only understanding that comes out of the Scripture. The Scripture here is, is replete with the understanding that not only is it a physical saving, but it's a spiritual saving too. That God took the evil uh, that his brothers and Satan intended for Joseph 
and he turned it, and he turned it for good. Turned it for good in God's favor. Isn't it interesting sometimes that when we have evil committed against us, we want to turn it into good, and we certainly want God to take it and turn it into good, but we typically want him to turn it into good for our favor. Have you thought about that before? I mean, if somebody does something to you at your work, and all of a sudden work is not the place that you want it to be, what you want to have happen is that evil at your work being turned into good. And so you want somebody to come in and give you a $50,000 raise to move to their company so you can walk out the door of the company that was being evil to you and you can walk into the new company and you can turn your back on that old company and go, look what God did for me. He turned that evil that you intended for me into good for me. But what God says here over and over again in Scripture is that the evil that happens to us, the things that Satan does in our life, he turns it into good for him so that the good things would happen for God. Have you ever thought about evil happening at your company and somebody coming along and offering you $25,000 less? Then you're making of that company to move to another company. But as you move to that other company, God opens up incredible doors for you to be a witness for him, to share your faith with those workers. And what that company over here intended as evil for you, God took it and turned it into good for the kingdom, for the purpose of the kingdom, not for you but for the purpose of the kingdom. That's what's being shared here in the scripture. And I love how it's explained here in the scripture when you look at verse 21. Because Joseph turns to his brothers who tried to commit evil with him and, and did uh, do evil to him. And he says to them, don't be afraid. I'm going to provide for you and your children. Now, I don't know about you, but the last thing I think I would ever do is try to help out somebody who's been evil to me. It, I might be willing to forgive them. I might be willing to walk away from the situation and kind of turn my back and say, well, that was in my past, but I, I'm walking away from that. But then to think about that you would actually forgive them and take care of them and provide for them and for their children. You know, I'm obviously kind of in a pretty unique situation maybe than you as, as a minister of the gospel. I, I understand that my job entails different things than yours, but I've actually had this situation happen before, and you may have too in, in a completely different circumstance, but the, the, the scenario would be possibly the same. But I've actually had people that were uh, very mean to me. Uh, very, very mean to me. And then circumstances in their life have totally changed. And then they come back to me needing help. And I have to be as honest and blunt with you as I can to tell you 
when that has happened in my life, my initial reaction is to say, you got exactly what you deserved because of how they treated me. But the scripture says, I'm not allowed to do that. You know what the scripture says, basically, that I'm supposed to do when they walk into my office? After they've been mean to me and after they've treated me wrong, that I'm supposed to embrace them, forgive them, and provide for them. Well, that's, that's difficult. You know, I mean, I, I understand exactly what I'm saying to you this morning, and it's, it's the bitter pill that none of us want to swallow. I completely get that. And I do not stand in front of you or sit in front of you this morning and, and, and put myself up as do it like I'm doing it. By no means am I doing that. What I'm sharing with you is the heartbeat of what I want to try and become, which is the kind of person that Joseph was, the kind of person who looks at people who have brought evil into their life and not only forgives them, but provides for them. I, again, you know, you, you'll allow me to apologize for uh, telling you a, a story that kind of illustrates the understanding of, of what I, I want you to see here. But uh, I, at, at my previous church, there was a couple, an older couple, and I'm, again, uh, going to be as blunt as I can, but uh, you'll forgive me for how I characterize them. But they were as mean as a backyard dog chained up to a tree to me. Uh, from the moment I walked into my previous church, they were almost always that mean to me. And uh, I, I struggled with it. I, I, I struggled with it all the time. And I struggled with my attitude toward them. And Laura was very good to kind of always keep me in check uh, because when I wanted to lash out, Laura would go, if you do that, they win. You know, and, and I knew that, but my instincts were always to want to lash out. Um, but I, th there was two things that happened in remembrance with this couple. And, and I, I want to share with you the two times that God uh, broke me and, and taught me a lesson. The first was when uh, their, their son was in the hospital. Uh, they had one son, uh, and I'll, I'm not going to remember who it was, um, not name. I, I, I remember his name. I'm not going to share his name with you, but I, I'm trying to remember. He, was, he served as the personal secretary to... Um, I want to say um, George W. Bush's wife, uh, Barbara Bush. Not Barbara. Who's the other one? Laura. Laura, thank you. He served as personal. I should think, you know. Sorry, Laura. Uh, had way too many Lars in my life. Sorry. Um, so he, he was personal secretary to Laura Bush. And in his uh, late 30s, uh, he and you, you'll be able to figure this out by me telling the story, but he was a homosexual, and he lived a gay lifestyle. And in his late 30s, he contracted AIDS. And he had 
the finest insurance because of working for the government and the finest doctors were all provided for him by the Bush family and he ended up at MD Anderson and there was nothing they could do. And as he sat in the hospital bed uh, living his last weeks out, I drove down there to visit him in the hospital. The whole way going, I do not want to do this. I do not want to do this. I have no reason to be kind to this family. I do not want to do this. And I walked in that hospital room and that lady who had been mean and belligerent to me for all those years grabbed me and hugged me and asked me to pray over her son. And I did. After he passed away, uh, she was still as mean to me as ever. <laughs> I wish I could tell you it had changed. It didn't change. It didn't change at all. And uh, a few years ago, she passed away and went to be with the Lord. And I said that, and I meant that. I really believe she went to be with the Lord uh, uh, because she was a believer. Yeah. She didn't always live perfectly, but neither do you and neither do I. And we're thankful that God accepts unperfect people, aren't we? So after a few years, she passed away and went to be with the Lord. And the Lord just said, you need to go honor her at her funeral. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. Why in the world would you ask me to do that? And God brought me to this passage. And he said, you know, I've asked you uh, to let those who know you know that your heart is not bitter toward this lady. I said, okay. So I walked in, and, and this literally happened. You, you must believe me. I'm, I'm not making this up. I walked in, and there was a row filled with the ladies about her same age that had always apologized to her, uh, to me, for her, and for the way she treated me. And I walked in, and all those ladies stood up and moved over one seat. And the one on the end pointed and said, sit here. And so I walked in, and I sat down next to them. And they all, every single one of them, turned to me and said, we are so proud of you for overcoming and being here today to honor her. Now look, again, this, this story is not about me, but this story is about what God has called us to be, which is faithful witnesses to the kingdom. And this is what we are called to do. And it's easy to do when it's people who love you and walk with you and who treat you well. It's incredibly difficult when evil has come into your life. Let me, let me walk through a couple of things here real quickly with you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Let me, let me tell you, what Satan intends for evil, God can turn into good. We know that through Scripture. Uh, just like that story I shared with you, every one of you has a story. Look, I, I, I'm not the pastor and I don't preach because I have unique stories that you don't have. 
every one of you that's sitting in here today has a story just like the story I told. And I have a lot of stories where I did not respond well. Trust me, I'm struggling in the midst of a story right now that I'm struggling to respond well to. It's an ongoing battle. I have not got this perfected. But I promise you that the scripture promises us that what Satan intends for evil, God can turn it into good. In God's hand, intended evil becomes eventual good. Let me say that again. In God's hands, intended evil becomes eventual good. If you will walk with him, if you will follow after him. I, I, I love this word, intended. Where, where Joseph says here in, in verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I'm in the place of God. You intended to harm me. You know what that Hebrew word intended is? It's the word weave. So you, you could read it like this. All your intentions were woven to do harm to me. But God took all that weaving and he rewove it. He rewove it for your good. Have you ever thought about that before? God's, God's taking your life and the evil that's been brought into your life over the time that you've been alive that Satan wanted to do harm to you with and God's taking it and Satan has woven this evil into your life. And God's taking it and saying, nope, you know what? We're going to take that and we're going to reweave it. And you're going to see when you come to the end of this weaving that's going to be going on, you're going to see the masterpiece that I've created for your life. I mean, that, that's the problem that we all have. The problem that we all have is evil comes into our life. Satan brings evil into our life. And then we don't want to wait a month for it to be good. We, we want to see good right away out of it. I've lost my job. Come on, God. Give me something good now. I failed this class. Come on, God. Give me something good now. And God says, Joseph took 17 years. You might take 17 years. You might take 20. It might take 30. It might take only 30 days. But I can promise you, I will weave that evil into good if you will just keep following me. Keep chasing after me. I've told you my story about failing out of A&M. I mean, there's no better way than I can share that story than just being honest enough to tell you that after a year at A&M, I had not made the grades and I'd failed out. And I began to look at that and go, what in the world is going to happen with my life? But when I look back on the past 35, 37, 38 years since all that happened to me, and look at how he wove my life together, where he sent me to school, 
the, the incredible spouse that he allowed me to meet, uh, the beautiful things that have happened to me to bring me to this moment in my time, in my life, I can only look back and go, thank you, God, for the tapestry that you've woven out of what Satan intended for evil and what other people thought would be my downfall. But you took it and wove this incredible story together. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. Now, if you're struggling, and, and trust me, I, I know some of you are struggling right now in the midst of, a, of an evil thing. And, and if you're struggling right now, I know that it's difficult. I get that. I, I told you just a minute ago, I, I'm struggling with a, a portion of what it means to have some evil done and, and to be bitter. And, and, and I even wrote this down. I, I wrote down, how do we become better and not bitter when evil comes? How do we do that? H how do we take this bad that's happening or has happened in our past, and how do we turn it and make it better? How do we allow God to reweave that fabric? Well, the, the way you do it is what I'm going to share over the next Sunday and this Sunday. But this Sunday, I, I'm just going to do two things real quick because I, we had to give this foundation of understanding, of overcoming uh, this, this bitterness, this, uh, this anger over the evil that's happened in our life and turning it into good. So two things for this Sunday, and then I'll give you four or five more for next Sunday, but we won't give you all this foundation next Sunday, okay? So here's the first one. How do you overcome it? How do you overcome the evil? Well, the, the first thing is you overcome it with praise to God. You're a conqueror through Christ who loves you. That's what Romans 8.37 says. You are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loves you. So how do you overcome this evil in your life? Well, you give praise to God. When you look at, remember the, the background I, I told you about Joseph's life? Uh, from the minute he was sold into slavery, he just kept following God, serving God. He, did, he didn't change his relationship with God because evil had happened to him. He just kept going just like it had always been, serving God, faithfully following after God, watching after God, and then he waited for that tapestry to be woven in his life. So you overcome evil with praise to God. I mean, you just keep serving God, praising God, loving God. You know, there are some Sunday mornings, I get it, Brian gets it, we all get it. There are some Sunday mornings you don't want to stand here and sing, you're a good, good father. I get that. I mean, I, I completely understand that. That song may invoke memories of the past of how your earthly father was absolutely no good to you at all. And you may sing that song and you may think, oh my gosh, my father was evil to me. But you know what you should sing when you sing that song? You should sing, my earthly father was evil to me, but I have a good, good father who loves me. My heavenly father who provides for me, who watches over me. And so I know there's going to be times when you struggle with evil. Look, I, you know, you, you don't have to search far and wide to see people who are struggling. 
I mean, there, you know, there are things that have happened right here in this congregation that make you wonder sometimes what's going on. You know, the, the evil that has come to families that we love very much. I mean, when you look at the Atkinson family or the Borden family or the, the Phillips family, uh, we could name family after family where you say, why? Why does that happen? What was the purpose? And, and we all look at it and go, that just seems evil to me. But I promise you, and Scripture promises us over and over again that God can take that evil and he can weave it into good. I don't know how many years it's going to take. I don't, I don't know what the end result of that tapestry is going to look like. But I believe with all my heart in all of those uh, situations and all the rest that you are going through too that may not be as well known, but I can tell you God is weaving on your tapestry too. Let me share this with you just... You know, I, I, I'm telling you that you overcome evil with praise. You know, last Sunday was an amazing Sunday in the life of our church. It's just a, a highlight for me. We, we had a good Sunday morning service, and then we went in uh, and ate lunch, and we supported Jerry and Georgiana and their family, not only encouraging them emotionally, but financially trying to provide and help for them. And by the way, I'm I'm just totally impressed and blown away by how you are so good uh, people and, and you're good-hearted people. We raised over $5,000 last weekend to give to the Phillips family to help them. And I, it just makes my heart sing with joy for what you did last Sunday. And then we walked out and dedicated a couple of trees in, in honor of the elders and deacons who have faithfully served in this church and gone on to be with the Lord, especially Ryan and, and Bryson as we remembered them. Um, so I, I got on Facebook the next day, and Alicia uh, Atkinson had written this in her Facebook page. Listen, it's not long, but listen. She said, yesterday was another page in the book that God has written for our family and who already knows the ending. It was another day I was proud to call this man mine. She was bragging on Brandon, her husband. Despite his own pain and grief, he has held our family and been a source of steady comfort and wisdom through the darkest valleys. He kept his focus on our God Almighty and his servant heart has never wavered. I love you, Brandon. We feel so blessed to have such supportive friends and family come alongside us during this journey. We are thankful for Holly Springs and Pastor Bobby for paying honor to the lives of Bryson and Ryan and their legacy. The dedication and planting of two trees for deacons and elders who have made it home before us. God is so good. That's a lady who's beginning to see her tapestry being woven. She's beginning to understand that God has something bigger and better. And she's going to overcome that tragedy by praising God. And that's what we do too. Second thing is this. You, you got to learn to overlook another's faults, to ignore it, to look beyond it. Uh, 
If you turn to Proverbs 19.11, sometime when you get home tonight, just write it down. We don't have time to go there. But Proverbs 19.11 basically says you don't repay evil with evil. And that's what we want to do in our human nature. But our job is to overcome with praise to God and then overlook other people's faults. Overcome with, uh, with forgiveness. Do you know what forgiveness does? You can ask Laura. She's a professional counselor. But I'll tell you, because you don't have to be a professional counselor to know this. All you have to do is know a little bit of scripture. But when you forgive somebody, you will set yourself free. Because when you don't forgive other people, you are holding yourself hostage. You're not hurting them near as much as you think you're hurting them, but you're hurting yourself way more than you would even believe. And so when somebody does evil to you, somehow you've got to work up through God's strength and through God's courage to just forgive them, overlook their faults. I don't think I've done this since I've been here. We're going to close today, but I want to show you a video. Uh, So if if you're a TV fiend and you love to watch TV, uh, you'll get about three minutes of a story here that I want you to hear about um, this young man who learned to overlook the evil that had uh, been brought into his life by his father and and worked to overcome it. Uh, So will you watch this for just a minute with me?
which brings us to the best part of this story. She gave it all back to us. For this band trip. They had a big show last week. It was packed. In the end, no money changed hands in that church parking lot. But they each got something tremendously valuable from the other. I feel more like God still has a purpose. You're not being satisfied. I mean, when you live at that new age, you you can be content with more than that. No victims here. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Oklahoma City. And that's the CBS Evening News for tonight. Pretty amazing, isn't it? A 15-year-old boy who understands what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ and what it means to overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father, you are a good, good father. And we are so thankful for what you have done in our lives. Father, it is so hard sometimes when evil comes our way to be overcomers. Father, we ask that you would help us to be patient to see the tapestry that you're trying to weave in our lives. Father, would you teach us patience? Would you teach us to not be bitter people, Father, but to be better, to rise above, to look for you? Father, as we go through our, our days this week, Father, would you help us to be children of yours? Father, we are thankful for your son, Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Father. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll enter into a time of invitation. And here's the invitation. The invitation.